Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. Don't be intimidated by status or job title, because Mm -hmm. everyone is a human at the end of the day, and everyone's got basic needs, and get really good people around you. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Hannah Allen. Hannah's the Chief Executive of Blackburn Youth Zone, a 21st century hub for young people located in the heart of Blackburn with a mission to inspire all young people to have fun, meet new people, try new things, and challenge themselves to be the best they can. Hannah's worked within youth empowerment and support for almost 20 years, leaving college to gain experience in a sector she's clearly very passionate about. Hannah's led the organisation for almost seven years, not only seeing the team through COVID, but also delivering 40,000 care packages to the local community and delivering her second child on the same day as an SLT COVID response meeting. Hannah joins us today to share her insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Hannah. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm looking forward to speaking with you. And So can you tell us a little bit about the organisation that you lead, first of all, please? Yes, so um, my role is CEO of Blackburn and Darwin Youth Zone. And the Youth Zone is part of a national network called the Onsaz Youth Zone. So there's 14 Youth Zones across the country and they're scaling up pretty um, rapidly. Um, It's such an amazing organisation. It's very place-based. It's in the the centre of town. Um, And... Basically, what we do is um, we keep young people um, off the streets, giving them somewhere safe and warm to go to. Um, But then whilst they're in our care, um, we've got uh, a team of youth workers and um, volunteers that engage them into really positive activities. So you might have been to a youth centre when you were younger and you might have like thought, oh, the pool queue was broke. It might have been in a leaky church hall. But youth zones um, are very um, 21st century in terms of how they're built. Okay. Um, we spend between five and eight million pounds on any building. Um, we've, so in Blackburn and Darwin, for example, we've got a football pitch on the roof. We've got a sport hall. We've got a maker zone. We've got a dance studio. We've got an arts area. We open seven days a week when schools are closed. Um, we always have hot food on site to ensure young people are fed. Um, and the three strategic things that we do in Black Bay and Darwin through all of the programmes that we offer to ages five up to 25 um, are um, social integration, because we really believe that young people need to be brought together mm-hmm. um, and highlight the things that connect them rather than divide yep. them. Yep. And that's really important in Black Bay and Darwin because um, it's a... It's a town where it's changing. 55% of the under fives are South Asian. Um, and so it's really important that we do more of that work in, yeah. within Black Amazon and across the country. Um, health and wellbeing. So we know that young people are the worst affected post-pandemic. Um, and obviously the cost of living crisis is impacting them even more. So we do a lot around emotional health and wellbeing um, um, within our membership, um, linking in with other organisations, statutory services, other voluntary sector organisations, but 
we are we are very much a front door to them services and young people come and get the support that they need and then finally most the most kind of recent service that we launched in the pandemic was aspiration skills and employability okay. and we found during the pandemic what what could we what was the one thing um, over and above all of the things that we did in terms of response to the pandemic, what what was the one thing that we could pre-plan um, to come out of the pandemic? And we decided that it was um, an enhancement to our aspiration skills and employability services. So we developed a, a youth hub model, which is basically for young people age 14 and above. And it's to start getting young people to think about what they want to do when, when, they're, when they're employable. Amazing. Um, yeah. But also when they're 16, 17, how can we link them in and get them jobs? Mm-hmm. Um, and uniquely, um, all youth zones are placed in uh, um, our funders are the business community. So in Blackburn, Darwin, we are funded by 54 local business people, um, mm-hmm. which generates £750,000 a year. So it's a really great um, conduit between young people who need jobs and their aspirations and skills increased and are we call them patrons who need young people to actually, you know, make their business work. So um, last year alone, we placed 300 young people into employment and sustained them for four or more weeks. So we were, we were really proud of yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's a bit of a long-winded explanation, but um, we do so much and um, we're very driven by our purpose and our values. Yeah. And um, we do our core activity, but when we need to respond to a pandemic or a cross crisis, we will go out and we will raise more money and we will meet the needs as much as possible. So, Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I wouldn't say that was long-winded at all. I would say it's comprehensive <laughs> and there's loads of value that you're delivering. So I, th- I think it's incredible. And, and thinking about the pandemic, so obviously you will have closed down through that period. You've been with the business seven years this summer, is it? Yeah, seven years. You've been yeah. through all of that. Yeah. What, kind of challenges were you up against then because you would have had to close the center so i'm guessing connectivity wasn't it wasn't there as you would want it to be but what kind of challenges were you up against and how did you overcome them yeah so during the pandemic um i, I remember very clearly um, i remember being in the office it was a bit of like an apocalypse moment where everyone just had to leave um but you know i suppose when you're working in a business where it's driven by purpose Mm-hmm. and values you know we had to physically close our doors yeah. but we could not close um and we wanted to stay open more than ever yeah. um and within you know the we, we got the closure notice on the thursday evening and by the monday we'd mobilized a team of volunteers to start doing um food and welfare packs for the community and in total we delivered 40,000 at the end. Oh it was God, incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, we, you know, we we looked at who are the most vulnerable young people on our database mm-hmm. and we ensured that they had a dedicated youth worker for mental health and welfare support. Um, we tried our hand at digital youth work, which we actually did all right at, but it was, it was a, a very steep learning curve. Um, And then we we just got involved in the community. Um, Like I said, um, 54 businesses are are donors Mm -hmm. and obviously all they furloughed their staff. Um, So they became our volunteers and um, we just... That's incredible. 
yeah, we I suppose we we led from the front, um, yeah. and we one hundred percent motivated the community. Um, you know, I was concerned about, you know, we're going to lose our funding. It's going to be really stressful. We're not delivering the service that we. Um, is on paper but actually we lost none of our funding we increased even more in terms of the work that we were doing um and like i said earlier like i didn't want to just respond and and come out of it and think well we've we've responded as well i wanted to think about the time that i had the limited time that i had i also wanted to think about what else can we do Mm -hmm. um so, because I was thinking about the longer tail of COVID and when young people and families come out of this, they're going to be worse off, or our team are going to be worse off. So what could I do? What could our board and leadership team do to prepare people for that? And that's where we came up with the youth hub model. Um, in the midst of all that, I also got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Which was um, a Don't surprise. Have a <laughs> <laughs> so um, working at home... We already had a toddler and being pregnant, um, leading a charity was um, something I will never forget. Um, but I felt so proud at the end of it. And I suppose, you know, as things slowed down a little bit um, and the guidance opened up, I, I was very conscious that the plans were in place. We knew what we were doing. And then when I went on maternity, it was it was like a deep time to reflect. Yeah, that. <laughs> so yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I'll never forget that time of my life ever. It must have been really difficult to. Um, maternity leave is really exciting for anybody, and obviously you're looking forward. But it must have been really difficult to switch off. Yeah, at that point, just like the switch that you were. So yeah, it's time to rest before <laughs> before they arrive. It was funny because um, when I when I had my second child. Um, I was so I was due to go off. So we, the baby was meant to be born on the twenty third of December, and um, so I thought I'll I'll go off beginning of December, give me enough yeah. time. And um, it was a time where like people could you know meet, but not like yeah. overly meet. And um, so I had um, my final SLT in me in my house. Um, you know, I'd cook, I'd cook them some food. Yeah. I like right, like well done. Like please just keep it going whilst I'm off and take six months off. Um, and that day, um, I had my baby. <laughs> it was not planned at all. So, yeah, there was there was no time to switch off. Um, but I've got a really great team oh who are as passionate as me in the organisation. Yeah. And and you know we we do things together. So I, you know there was no issue around trust or switching off because I knew that they could carry the carry the baton got a very understanding husband who is absolutely brilliant yeah. <laughs> um and you know great women in my life who, who are really supportive um to my career and to me being a mum so mm-hmm. yeah. okay, that's what it takes and it's your, it's your network that gets yeah. you to do these things definitely friends yeah. family people that you've worked with yeah. incredible incredible i was just about to ask you about what challenges you're up against at the moment but i feel like it's probably a walk in the park compared to what you've been through the last couple of years <laughs> well i suppose like my biggest challenge personally is trying to balance being a mum of two young children um, and my the fire that I've got inside me to do good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I suppose that's my biggest personal challenge. And like I said, I've got like a great family network. My husband is, is so brilliant in terms of support and um, me to have a career. And, and, you know, he wants me to 
achieve all the things that I want to achieve. I suppose the biggest challenge I've got in within our organisation is responding to the cost of living crisis. Mm-hmm. So both from making sure our team are looked after and mm-hmm. um, making sure that they have all their needs met in terms of coming to work and yeah. and supporting young people who are absolutely, you know, on the breadline or below. Um, so I suppose the biggest challenge at the moment for us is is the cost of living crisis. Um, you know, we, we're forever wanting to raise more money. Um, so we, we, we raise £2 million every year. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got... a you know, we've got an amazing team, we've got trustees, we've got, you know, we've got businesses that have been with us, business leaders that have been with us for a decade. And so I can't feel any more supported, but also the need and the yeah. motives to do more is, you know, is with him. It's always been within me. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I suppose the, the, the greater the need, the, the more, so the more crisis that's out there in terms of the cost of living, that's the greater the need for you guys because that'll impact the people that use your services. It'll impact the community that you're in. Yeah, and, so, and we've seen that. We've seen an increase of our services, um, both in Blackburn and Darwin. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing like, the young people who are turning up to our services are much more in need. There's much more complexity. Um, and you know we are there, one hundred percent there. But that also has a burden on on my team. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're ensuring that they have got the right support to to make sure that they can do their job, and we do, we don't get burnout. out. Yeah. Um, you know, succession is really important to me. So, um, you know, I've got a great ops director who's you know he's young and he's energetic and and he's you know he takes some loads off in terms of the responsibility that we have as an organisation. And I've got a brilliant finance director who um, is at the end of his career, actually, but he is like the wise owl in the organisation, you know, making yeah. sure that all of the um, the I's are dotted and the T's across. So, you know, it, it, we've got a brilliant team, but yeah, it's, you know, it's it's difficult right now. It's it's difficult for everyone, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, it's challenging. I think the other thing that a lot of leaders are facing at the moment is this, this cost of living crisis. It's, we're not going from a standing start, are we? We're coming off the back of the pandemic and yeah. that has a double impact when you think about burnout. It is it's absolutely paramount that you look after your, your team, but it sounds like you're on the right track. And Yeah, and I suppose, it, you know, it is, we don't want burnout and we do have to look after our teams. That has always been a priority for Blackburn and Darwin Youth Zone and the wider on-site network. Mm-hmm. But I suppose, like, when you are seeing firsthand the impact of the cost of living crisis on young people and families that have already suffered a pandemic. It's it's unbelievable. You know, I always think, you know, how lucky am I that I've got a garden for my children yeah. and they could play out in the pandemic when when you when you're in places like Blackburn and Darwin, there's a lot of houses that, that don't have gardens that, you know, there's multi-generational people that are living in them. Um, you know, there's, there's complexities. And I think, how lucky are we to, like, yeah. have what we've got? But actually, we, we, we need to try. And I suppose, you know, during the pandemic, I was like, what could we do to pre-plan coming out of it? Like, I'm already thinking like that now. So what are the systematic reasons why people are in poverty? Like, how can we uncover some of that stuff? So actually when our members come here they feel safe the warm the fed they're engaged they have a you know they have a childhood they have a great time 
but also how can we uncover some of them systematic problems that keep people in poverty and how can we develop programs that lift people out of poverty because that that's the goal isn't it you want people to enter adulthood with more choices so yeah equipped with the tools and i guess that's where the investment in the employability side of things comes in in terms of giving people the skills and the confidence and just even sometimes just knowing what's out there and what's available to them yeah like in terms of career paths we're just like you, every U-turn in the country, but you know, obviously Black Lives Matter, and you know, I, I know more, more about. But like, we're such we're in such a brilliant position. We've got all of these businesses um, who are our donors. You know, some of the biggest businesses in the borough, and um, all who've got jobs and career paths, and are thinking about their succession. So I think if we can untap. Um, that knowledge and that insight and we can feed it to young people and, and yeah. also young people can feed to the employers like well actually I, you know, I, I want a flexible workplace I want to wear trainees I want to whatever you know because the world of work is changing isn't it it's yeah. not going to be yeah. nine to five um, a job for life anymore so I think that education between business leaders and, and young people you know either way it's 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 really important definitely we can take that so yeah, definitely. I mean, the world's changing so quickly. It's important for the young people to know what is out there and, and what that might look like because I don't think, I don't want to speak out of turn and I don't want to get too far onto my soapbox, but I think in terms of the education system, but like even the fact that we're still putting kids in black blazers to go to school, it just doesn't make sense to me anymore. That's not preparing yeah. them for what's out there. How many people do you know wear a suit to work now? <laughs> No, not many, no. Not many. Um, you know, teachers work so hard. Yeah. And, like, you know, the teachers are as energetic as youth workers, but it's a different environment, I guess. Um, but youth work is such an important sector yeah. and offers that, like, informality about giving young people a space to explore things or be ignited yeah. into conversations and debates where, you know, they might not have the opportunity to do that in a school setting or within their family or, they, you know, they might not have the confidence or insight. So, yeah, youth work is, is a really special sector. Yeah. Um, it's like that third space, isn't it? You're like the cool yeah. uncle and the cool uncle. Like, you know, you're not quite following the rules, but you are there to help and support and guide. I think it's yeah. a place to be. It's, yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's it's such a, you know, a, a magic sector yeah. that, um, that, that does some amazing work and you know unfortunately it's been massively underinvested over the past you know decades or so and you know we're seeing the effects of that in terms of young people who are getting into trouble around the criminal justice system antisocial behavior you know lack of um you know employability skills going into the workplace so i think you know if people are thinking about what would I like to invest in right now? I would definitely consider um, your local yeah. youth zone or your local youth centre in terms of what, what can you do to give back yeah. um, young people to future-proof the economy, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And and in terms of your own journey then, was it always going to be youth work? I mean, clearly you're really passionate about it. You've done incredible <laughs> things, but was this always the plan? Um, I suppose, like... If people say to me, what was my plan or what is my plan? My plan is to ensure that the voices of people who are not heard are heard at the highest level possible. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't matter if I'm, you know, in youth work or government or social housing or, 
you know, I just want to make sure that people with lived experience and people's experiences on the ground are heard and considered and acted upon. So, um, you know, the kind of the social space is mm-hmm. is not necessarily doesn't necessarily need to be youth work now. It's um, but I love youth work. It's kind of where I start. So that's why I'm so passionate yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, and then in regards to my journey, is that what you want? me to talk yeah about. just in terms of how you ended up here like was it always the plan that you were going to be a chief executive or was it youth work and you're passionate which means yeah. you're great at it which means that you climbed the ladder how yeah. did it happen so um like I wasn't the, I wasn't the most academic person in school and I think school the school setting for me was a bit restrictive and it didn't really enable me to be creative and like so it's like I'm quite an extrovert. It didn't allow me to, to do that in a productive way. So um, I stayed on to do my first year of A-levels, but it wasn't really wasn't for me. And um, I basically sagged for me the last six months of me. <laughs> I didn't tell my parents because the deal with my mum and dad was um, you go to college or sixth form or you get a job. And if you get a job, we're taking half of your wages off you. So, you know, it's I always... Fair now, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, obviously that's the parent thing to do, I guess, at yeah. that moment in time. Um, and so so basically, I um, I always had part-time jobs and stuff, so I, I just didn't want to go to school anymore. So I, I just stayed at home without telling my mum and dad, and then he found out. And my mum basically said, you need to go and do some type of like apprenticeship or, or something. And obviously I'm from Liverpool, as you can tell. So I applied for uh, um, an a youth work apprenticeship scheme um, and I was on the bus on the way home and he rang me and said, um, you didn't get it. And, you know, I was quite hard-faced at the time and I was like, why didn't I get it? Like, I've got loads of experience. <laughs> you. I haven't actually and maybe you need to do some volunteering work. And then as I got off the bus, um, I got off the bus at my local youth centre, which is called Walton Youth Club. It's still there. And I just walked in and said, I've just applied for the job. I didn't get it. And he said, I need some volunteer work. So can I volunteer? It's good for you. And that was uh, that was the start of my youth work journey. Um, and I worked for two local organisations in Liverpool, Walton Youth Project and um, Positive Futures in mm-hmm. the North West. And I just, I, you know, I did detached work. I did women's work. I... Uh, I just I just got involved and you know these were young people like me mm-hmm. and I felt like I could give them some more opportunities and choices it wasn't really like that clear to me at that point and then I developed uh, an environmental program and I took a group of kids um to Poland to look at the holocaust and the reason we did it was because there was it, at the time there was a high um voting um, to the BMP, so okay. like, how can we work with these young people to understand much better around democracy and, and inclusion and stuff? Um, and that really opens my eyes in terms of like the power of youth work because you're like, yeah. you know, you can do whatever you want, anything's possible. Um, and it was commissioned by a local housing association, and because the project went so well, um, they gave me a job. So I started off as a regeneration officer in Liverpool Housing Trust. And then um, me and my husband met very young and we just wanted to out of Liverpool. We wanted to do something else. So I moved to Bournemouth, and as you do when you're 21. <laughs> and I got a job back into youth work um, for Catch-22 um, doing 
much more of the hard ends of youth work in terms of young people in the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. It was well-funded program, but like a literally 21 first management position dropped in the middle of Bournemouth. I had to set up the office, the IT, the infrastructure, and it was just I right. feel like part of my strength is that I just get on with it and just get yeah. going. Um, and then think later sometimes. Um, and then I suppose me my most significant role and, and my best experience that I've ever had was I got headhunted into another housing association a few years later whilst I was in Bournemouth. And the recruiting manager, who's still one of my greatest mentors now, was, is called Joe Savage. And um, she's seen something in me that I probably didn't see in myself at the time. And she gave me this job where basically we, I was going into a housing association to be the community investment manager not young people at all. It was very much older people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, com- working with communities to make them more sustainable. And I couldn't believe it. Like, she, you know, this job, it was like a 15 grand pay rise. I was like 24. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I had won the lottery. <laughs> um, and, she, you know, she, she mentored me into the role and she guided me and she gave me lots of feedback. Um, and I was so grateful for that. And, you know... I was with um, Synergy Housing um, for, for many years. They merged into Asta, um, and I felt so supported and so, like, believed in. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could do it. I could I could lead. Um, and, yeah, I just... That's kind of um, how I got more significantly into social housing. Um, and then, after the merger, I moved into a more grassroots organisation because that's... I suppose that's my... That's my thing. Uh, I work for BCHA, set up a social enterprise, um, turned over three million pounds, invested the profits into work programs, um, and I, I'm really like I always think about who are my team, and I'm like I'm you know I'm I'm 36 and I'm in this role at the moment, but you know I've been very young and I've I've I've, I've progressed quickly. So having people around me with um, more wisdom, who are older, who can advise me, is, has been so important to me um, during my career. Um, so, the, so the team I had in the social enterprise were, were probably, you know, 20 years my senior, but they were absolutely brilliant um, yeah. in terms of the advice they gave me. Um, and it was just, I suppose, I lead teams, like a movement. It's like, this is our goal, let's, let's go, guys. And... Um, yeah, and then, you know, I got to an age where I wanted to have kids and I wanted to get married, and so that's why I moved back north. And I seen this job, and I was so intrigued because it was chaired by Jack Straw, and I was thinking, I would love to work alongside someone like Jack Straw just because of his personality and what his experience that he's had and stuff. So I applied for it and I absolutely got grills at the interview stage. <laughs> Must have gone through three interviews, and, um, and I got the job. So that's how I ended up in the youth zoo. Amazing, amazing. And so thinking, I can't, so the six years between us, Hannah, you're 36, I'm 42, so I can't say that we're older um, necessarily, but if there was someone that was looking to follow in your footsteps, not saying that we're the generation of the people that were influential to you yet, but if there was someone looking to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you give them from a leadership perspective in terms of building a career? I think, like, the advice I would give is, like, first of all, believe in whatever purpose that you have so my purpose has always been I want to ensure the voices of the unheard people in society are heard at the highest level 
that's my purpose. So whatever your purpose is, believe in it and believe you can you can yeah. do it. Um, I suppose don't be intimidated by status or job title because mm-hmm. everyone is a human at the end of the day and everyone's got basic needs and people will be going through things that you're not even aware of that are probably sometimes as similar as you've been going, going through. Um, and just get really good people around you. Like if that is people who you're employing or trustees or just really good people in the community. You know, if someone came up to me and said, will you be my mentor? I would be like 100% of our beliefs in that person. I'd be like, yeah, of course. Well, so, you know, find the people like I've got like the Joe Savages and, and others, you know, there's loads of other women in my life and men in my life that support me. They found people like that who are kind of your champion, but also are your counsel and will give you feedback. And mm-hmm. and it's so important for, for, for lifelong learning, isn't it, in terms of mm-hmm. developing? Like, you know, you can only see one dimensional of who you are. So, you know, if someone is giving you feedback, it's not because they're trying to, if you trust them, it's not because they're trying to chip you up. It's because yeah. they care about you and they're trying to develop you. So try not to be defensive, like take it as a, as a learning and, um, you know, and if you get upset because of the feedback, that's, that's okay. That's just an emotion, isn't it? You, yeah. can, like, you can work through that. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I think, yeah, just, I suppose, yeah, get good people around you is probably the best. Yeah, that is good advice. And so you mentioned Joe Savage, but are there other leaders that either past or present, famous or otherwise, that you particularly admire or that you've experienced or had some exposure to that you've taken something from that you can share with us? Yeah, there's many leaders in my life. I'm, I'm dead lucky, actually, to be around so many brilliant people. You know, the founder of Blackburn and Darwin Newtown, Andrew Graham, um, who is the CEO of Graham and Brown, wall coverings he's brilliant he's you know mentor coach you know friends and you know he is he cares about my development but he also cares about the organization and the social purpose and the impact so um i think andrew would be good um as a leader to, to aspire to um his, his standards are so high like if he if, if we if we do something and he says that's a great that's a great event. I know that we've like kind of yeah. got all the standards met I and agree. not because I want to meet the standards, but because I want to meet the standards for the young people that we serve. And it's yeah. it's yeah. that like that measure, isn't it? Um I suppose like the greatest teacher that I have, if that is helpful, is my son Otis. Like he's four and a half. And I like I am really high energy and like I sometimes go hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And he says, he's so insightful, he says to me, Mum, I think I need a teacher to unrush. Because <laughs> <laughs> then when I'm, like, in a bit of a flab and I'm, I'm trying to go out the house or whatever, he just holds me hands and he says, Mum, I think we need to unrush. Oh, bless him. And I'm like, oh. I, I, I think for me, like, becoming a mum has been such a moment of my leadership style in terms of, like, slowing down. And, yeah, so I think my children, you know, me, me little girl May is not old enough to kind of say them things to me at the moment, but um, yeah, I think um, me children in my life are probably the most important yeah. leaders that you know I want to develop and that you know I, I listen to them. Yeah, that's part of your why, isn't it? So they're the future in the same way that the, the people that you 
support and within yeah. the youth work, they're the future too, aren't they? Yeah. So they make me want fun. to be a better person. So yeah. when I acknowledge, you know, when I when I think about what my blind spot or when someone gives me feedback, I think, well, if I can develop that in myself, then I'll be a better mum and I'll be a better leader to my employees. I'll be a, you know, I'll be a nicer person to live with for my husband. <laughs> but I'll also, I'm a role model. You yeah. know, so my kids are looking at me and people are looking at me. So if I can develop myself, then that helps other people develop around me. So yeah. but my children are probably the most important reason why I do that because I want them to be the best people that they can ever be. Yeah. And you're right, they are always watching. One of the most powerful things someone ever said to me about parenting is kids don't do as you say, they do what you do. And they're watching all the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I know I agree. It's it's important to remember, isn't it? And and so in terms of your leadership style, what shapes that? Is that that your experiences? Is is it those people that you've come across? Where does it come from? (laughs) Um. So I suppose I've I've actually reflected on this recently um, with a coach that I'm working with at the moment. Um, And I I suppose, like, what leads me is I have got a fire inside me and um, I'm so passionate and I just want to make a difference. So I was like, why is that? And I think, like, so I'm from a very working-class community, a working-class family, and when, when people don't get the, the basic needs met you know within my family structure like we didn't just go okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. very much like well why not yeah. like that's not fair like how can we ensure that we do get our needs met as a family and as a community and how can we you know so if I'm if I have an experience um whatever in my personal life or in work I want I want to be able to give that insight to someone and say well that didn't go very well you didn't I didn't feel treated like the way I should have have you thought about mm. x y and z and I think you know it's very it's very much um I don't want to tell people what to do I want to share the experiences of yeah. others to make things better mm-hmm. systematically better I guess yeah. um I had so many powerful females in my life growing up. Um, so I'll tell you about one of them. So my nan, um, it was my dad's mum, her name was Julia Allen, and um, she was fierce. Like, no, she, no, you couldn't get on the wrong side of that. Um, she had four children, you know, probably 17 to 20 grandkids, you know, all in a house all the time, you know, but she made sure we were warm and we were fed and we were, you know, entertained but she was also a real pillar in the community um and she lives in social housing and she advocated for our streets i lived we lived eight doors down from her she advocated for our streets to have decent home standards Mm. and like she just didn't give up like and i just think i love that like she cared so much about her family and her community that she wanted people to live in good homes Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I think that like spirit within my family, especially within women in my family, is mm. is really fierce. Um, I suppose one of the things I'm learning at the moment is to try and just turn me fire down a little bit, or control me fire a little bit sometimes. I don't know about that. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose just because it's important to be able to, you know, turn it up and turn it down, 
In what uh, way? Turn it down in what way? Because my initial <coughs> instinct was, God, don't change this because you're doing incredible <laughs> things and it, your passion comes across. It comes across really loud and clear. But in what way turn it down? I'm interested in that. I think I like to protect myself. You know, the, you can only go full pelt for a certain amount of time yeah. until okay. you exhaust yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, you know, I always, I always say to my husband, you know, there's only 100% of a pie. And if I'm given, you know, 99 of myself from work and 1% at home, that, that's not good enough. So yeah. I think trying to not sweat the small stuff and sometimes take a step back and allow things to work themselves out, because they do. Mm-hmm. You know, inevitably you sit there and be quiet. Sometimes they do, they do work themselves out. Um, and then that time that you've saved, you know, you can either use it yeah. want to do or you can use it to reflect and you can you know hone your skills a little bit more so um so yeah that's what i mean by yeah i've got you i've got you now got you okay and, and in terms of your um learning how to be a leader a lot of people learn on the job don't they? a lot of people maybe read books but have you consumed anything whether that's a book or a podcast or articles have you consumed anything that's really helped you or that you'd recommend for other leaders yeah so as so I read a lot and I love so I love reading articles, um, both sector based and, and leadership. Yeah. Um I've got a really amazing network around me who will, you know, give me advice if I ask for it. Or sometimes when I don't ask for it, they give me advice anyway. Um, which is great. Um but I suppose the, the best book that I've ever re- read is um Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And I read it as I started this job and I don't know if you've read it, but the story goes that um, a CEO who hasn't got experience in the tech sector gets the job mm-hmm. and she's got a dysfunctional team and she works with that team to, you know, to build trust and accountability and things like that. And that the journey that she goes through, I just found it really inspiring and really basic, if I'm honest. Um, and it's something that I've really held on to. So, um, we have a reading club in Blackburn and Darwin YouTube. So when people join the organisation on a full-time basis, um, we read the book together and we do the exercises in the book. And, you know, people understand, you know, it's become fundamental in terms of our culture. So people understand why, why we do what we do and why we want people to trust one another. And yeah. we encourage, you know, um, conflict and accountability and stuff like that. So, yeah, I suppose that's the, the best, which has been releasable. That's a great idea. Yeah, a great idea. Do you, would you do the same with the the? I was going to call them kids, and that's my lads calling kids. But the people that come into the the youth service, would they would there be like a reading? Well, we we don't read that particular book. Maybe we should actually, but um, we do a lot of programs that include reading and personal development and growth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. I think it's fantastic what you're doing. I think it's a, I feel like we could talk all day about it, but I, I know you've got work to do, you have a day job. But I really. Well, if you're ever in Blackburn and Darwin and you fancy popping down for a coffee, then yeah, I will welcome. Definitely, I will do. I might bring, bring you some of the books. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what's going on over the next six, nine, 12 months that we can share with people? And how can people get involved? If somebody wants to help out or be a mentor or come in and add value in some way, Tell us about what's going on and how we can get involved, please. So it never stops in a youth zone. Like, it never stops. So 
um, you know, it's 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 full pelt all of the time. So we run seven days a week in Blackburn and we run, run seven days a week in Darwin. So we've got 14 days over a seven-day period. So it's pretty busy. Um, so obviously we're going to keep doing what we, we always do in terms of the core offer. Um, we, we are developing our, our youth hub model. So we've been successful in... Um, the replacement of European Social Funds, which is called UK Share Prosperity Funds. Okay. So we're enhancing them services even more and linking in with business and schools and to give young people more opportunity. Um, and we've got a lot of fundraising to do next year. Um, you know, th- there's a few pending um, ideas that we're, we're still waiting to get signed off. So I, I think, yeah, we're just, the challenges are, like I said, are the cost of living crisis, and um, it's really important that we we think about how we systematically change mm-hmm. some of that work. Um, the Joseph Roundtree Foundation have, has got some brilliant um, reports which talk about exploring that even further. So, you know, for me, it's about how can we keep doing what we're doing and and gearing that up even further to, to meet the demand and the need. But how can we think about the systematic changes that we need to make as a as a society and what part mm-hmm. we play in that to ensure that young people get the best outcomes in life and when mm-hmm. they become adults, they have choices. And, yeah, you know, yeah. so uh, that's, for me, that's kind of like really um, the most, uh, the biggest priority right now. Um, we have our strategy to be approved in March, and our budget and things like that. So, yeah, we're kind of going through all of the kind of normal business as usual systems through the cycles. Brilliant. And and so in terms of, uh, we'll put the, the link to your website in the show notes as well. So if anyone that's listening wants to have a look at the, the website and get in touch, we can do that there. But is there anything that you're particularly looking for at the moment in terms of either businesses that can get involved or volunteers is there anything that stands out that you could share with us yeah for sure i think you know fundraising is is always our biggest priority we need to keep our doors open we need to keep doing what we're doing so you know if there's any business listening that are, are looking for something great to invest in as part of the you know the esg esg strategies that, that everyone's doing at the moment then you know please contact us um and you know, if it's not Blackburn with Darwin, there's another 14 youth zones across the network that I'm sure would love to hear from any business that want to invest in that way. You know, if businesses are looking to give back, there's lots of volunteering opportunities, mentor opportunities. Um, but the youth zones across the country are absolutely a movement. Yeah. So for good, so like get involved. Like if, if you've got one in your town, absolutely get involved. And, you know, if you don't have one in your town, then, then get involved, find out what else is going on. Um because young people need as much help as they can get in order for them to meet the needs of society and keep growing the economy. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Hello. Thanks, Helen. It's been brilliant speaking with you. I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you. <laughs>